Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, a notorious Georgia landmark is visited by many, but how many visitors are only there in spirit? Summer camp is a memorable time, especially if you're bunking with the undead. A listener shares a positive Ouija board story. But does it truly have a happy ending? And a young couple rent a New Zealand flat. However, do they inherit a flatmate in the process? Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Good evening. And welcome to everyone who's uh, who's new to the program, who's looking for something spooky to listen to Yeah. for, uh, for Halloween. Uh, welcome to the show. This is a show that we do year-round. This is not just for the month of October for Halloween. You will pleasantly find... Uh, more than a hundred episodes of our show going back to several months earlier in this year. Um, and we just continue on. It's uh, a show that we do five days a week uh, for free to our, our, our normal audience. And then we have a bonus episode that we send out uh, to our EPPs, which is like our VIP folks. So they get an extra episode for the weekend. And if you want to join that and get an extra episode, if you really like the show, you've been getting into it, please consider becoming an EPP. Your support there helps keep the show going and keeps it alive. It's five bucks a month. Uh, Or you do the $60 a year option, whatever works better for you. We email you the bonus episode. And you have access to our archive of bonus episodes as well. So when you become an EPP, you don't just get that one extra episode. Uh, Right now, I think we're going on 10? Yeah, 10 will be our next one. Okay, so this weekend, bonus episode 10 goes out and you get all 10 of those plus uh, you're going to get uh, the video uh, Spirits in the Air the short film that we put together about uh, a haunted airport so lots of bonus stuff there you support the show you get extra stuff uh, and uh, welcome I have heard from a lot of folks this week who are just like looking for something spooky and they're saying oh I, I miss it old coast to coast AM you know the old Art Bell version of that show and I just, you know, I, I look for those on YouTube, and now this is like what you can have year-round, so. It's always Halloween at our house. It really is. We were talking the other day, we are like, yeah, Halloween's gonna, you know, it's gonna come and go this week, and it's like, yeah, but we do the show almost every day. I know. So, it kind of continues on. We're gonna find something spooky about Christmas, and <laughs> something spooky and about- And Easter. Yeah. <laughs> Easter's a more difficult one to be spooky with. Yeah. I don't know, I think of Easter eggs and spookiness, but- I'm sure there'll be some sort of horrific bunny story that we get. <laughs> <laughs> and then the bunny ate me. It is something horrible. Uh, anyhow, welcome to the show. Uh, we're glad that uh, you're with us. And uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, TuneIn Radio, wherever it may be, be sure to press that subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes of the show as we release them. The phone number to call in to share your real ghost story with us is 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. And call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and share your real ghost story with us. Or, of course, the other option is just uh, just write on in your ghost story to us uh, through the website at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you want to discuss something that we talked about on the show, we have a message board for that as well. I know a lot of our loyal listeners know all this stuff, but again, lots of new folks joining us this week. So just want to let you know how we operate and all the cool stuff that we got here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's kick off the show by going to a caller from 855-853-4802. Hi. Morning, Brewskies. Uh, my name is Chris, and I am from the Central Ohio area. I wanted to call in and share a story uh, that centers around uh, some family property that uh, 
has been in the family since 1836. Uh, there's a cabin that was built there uh, in the mid-1800s, and uh, quite a few generations, uh, well, two generations lived on the property in the cabin uh, through most of the, uh, the existence there. Um, there is a family burial plot on the property, uh, which we discovered uh, when digging a drainage ditch. Uh, my father was running the backhoe, and this was probably 1983 when uh, my family purchased the property uh, from the from our family. And uh, we noticed something in the uh, ground as we we're going, and I'm like that that doesn't really look like a, a rock. And it turned out to be a, a skull of a child. Um, there were 12 children that were born on the property uh, that were have been my great, great grandfather's generation on the property. And only three of them survived. Um, and we found the burial plot that they had all been buried in. So we had all kinds of fun and games with the sheriff and the coroner that had to come and verify that what was going on and uh, why there were so many many skeletons in this field. Uh, you know, and there were not great record keeping of a lot of the births and deaths of these kids at that time. So there was uh, a little bit to do at that point in time in the uh, history of the property. Um, as time went along, uh, we planted uh, almost 100 acres of pine trees on the property. And uh, a young friend and I, in uh, probably 84, we were about 12 and 13, uh, we determined one night after working uh, the farm that we were going to camp out in the meadow, uh, which is just below the cabin that has was built uh, in the mid-1800s. Um, it's a two-story log cabin that they had recited and put ten over and added on a couple rooms to. Uh, and there was one window on the second story that looked out of where the kids would have slept when they were younger. Uh, and this window is about eight feet off of the floor. And my friend and I were camping there. We had a little campfire belt and we were sitting around talking and and uh, trying to figure out what mischief we were going to get in that night. When I happened to notice something in the reflection off that glass, um, and I kept looking at it, and I couldn't quite figure out what it was, and then my friend goes, do you see that face too? And at that point, we both kind of looked at each other and decided that it was time for us to climb in the tent and go to sleep. Um, I looked out a couple more times, and I didn't see the face. Uh, after that, but you know, we both were a little creeped out by it, and uh, I relayed the story to my great grandmother, and she goes, "Oh, that's Mary. That's my little sister. She used to love to climb up on the top of the dresser and look out that window." And I'm like, "Come on, Grandma. There was nobody there, and there's no dresser there." She's like, "No, that's what Mary used to do. Mary died when she was six. So for years, that kind of creeped me out. Um, and my mom used to laugh at me and say, oh no, Chris, you're just, uh, you were just imagining things. So fast forward uh, to uh, the mid 2000s, my brother built his house on the property. Uh, and he is within a stone's throw of the original cabin. Um, and I never really said anything to uh, him about it because he, complete skeptic, doesn't believe in anything he can't touch. Um, and I'm, I'm to a degree the same way, but I've seen some stuff and, you know, there's things that we can't explain. Well, I never said anything in front of his kids about the story and tried to avoid the subject because I didn't want to be blamed for keeping the... Uh, the uh, kids up at night, fears of ghosts in the cabin next door. I mean, it's bad enough I get blamed for teaching them all the profanities they know. So my nephew was probably about six, and he looked at me and he goes, Uncle Chris, he goes, did you ever see the little girl in the cabin? And I'm like, what? 
He's like, yeah, there's a little girl that looks out that upstairs window. And he goes, and I can see her at, at night sometimes when I look out my window. And I'm like, Austin, you're imagining things. He's like, no, Chris, Grandma said that you've seen her too. And so Austin and I, my, my nephew and I talked about it, and I told him, you know, it could be anything. It could be the reflection off of the glass. Um, it could be, you know, your mind's looking for patterns so that it can figure out what things are. Um, and try not to make the kid frightened or anything. Uh, but in the back of my head, I'm going, okay, we've both seen it. And Austin's, you know, what what kind of made me think that maybe there was something there was the fact that Austin said that she was looking the opposite direction of what I remember her looking at us at. So I'm like, okay, maybe there's something there. Uh, about three years ago, the cabin started to slip off of its foundation. Um, and we lost one of the additions to the uh, cabin that we had to pull off to help save the original logs from sliding off. So uh, my brother and I had to climb under this cabin and cut out a section of uh, timber from the original logs and replace it and run cables through to help pull it back onto its foundation to help save it for, you know, for future generations to see. And we were under there um, jacking up the floor, uh, adding braces and uh, taking care of things like that. And my brother realized that he had left one of the jack handles inside the cabin. So he said, hey, I'm gonna run out and grab this and grab a drink of water. Do you be okay? And uh, I continued to drill some holes to add some braces in. And after about five minutes, I was like, that's taken him a long time. What's going on? And, you know, this is late August, so it was kind of warm and muggy under there. So uh, I climbed out, went to go see what was up with Mikey, my brother, and uh, I found him sitting on the stoop uh, of the cabin, and he's pale white. And I was like, what's going on? He is, uh, I saw something. I'm like, what do you mean you saw something? He goes, he goes I, I went into the, the main cabin and, and uh, I uh, picked up the jack handle and he goes, I turned and there was a little blonde girl standing there in this weird little dress. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I think I saw the ghost, Chris. And I mean, and he's pale white. He's completely, you know, scared. And I'm like, you're sure? And he goes, she was there one second. He goes, I blinked my eyes really hard and she was gone. And so he's like, he goes, there's something in here. I go, are you okay? And he goes, yeah, I'm fine. So him and I discussed it as he uh, got a little better. And he said he didn't feel threatened or anything. He just thought it was odd. Um, so here recently, we uh, had a family cookout on the property. And uh, my niece, who is four, was running around. Uh, and my son was running around uh, in the meadow, talking, playing around. And... My son came up to me and he goes, Dad, he goes, Kelsey's crazy. I'm like, what do you mean you're, what do you mean Kelsey's crazy? He goes, she's talking to some little girl down there. I'm like, it's an imaginary friend. Don't worry about it. I go, just keep going and playing. And my nephew, who's now 13, looked at me and he goes, no, Chris, she talks to a little girl. And I'm like, what? He goes, she talks to her all the time. And I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, if anything, she is a great aunt, and nobody's ever felt threatened by her. Um, so, you know, let her let her play, and you know, unless something happens, you know, don't worry about it. It'll be okay. And he goes, yeah. He goes, but the gray guy kind of creeps me out, and I'm like, gray guy, what do you mean? He goes, there's a gray man that I've seen 
wandering through the field. And I'm like, all right, Austin, we're going to need to sit down and talk about this. About that time, uh, Kelsey and my son come running around the, the corner, and my son Jack throws up his hands. He goes, Dad, I'm done playing with her. He goes, now she's telling me that the gray man's in the field. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Have, and I looked at Austin, I go, did you tell Jack about some gray guy in, guy in the field that you've seen? He goes, no, I haven't told him anything. I didn't want to scare him and get in trouble. So um, apparently there's a nether spirit wandering the property. And uh, my nephew uh, is promised to fill me in on some of the stories about the gray man. So um, once we get those, uh, maybe I'll call back. But hope you guys have a uh, good day. Really enjoy the show. And uh, hope to hear my uh, story on the show. Thanks. Have a good day. Wow, that was a great one. Yes, it was. I want to hear about the gray man, and I want updates on the niece playing with the little ghost girl. Isn't it so interesting just how nonchalant children can be about this topic? Without, if they've never never been influenced, you know, by adults or anything on, ooh, scary, spooky, go, you know, it's like, yeah, that gray guy is kind of creepy, but you know, and they and they're aware that these are not necessarily humans, yeah, but they're still, it's a playmate, so a playmate's a playmate, right? You know, they just kind of don't care. But you know what? Honestly, the little, the the niece that's four playing with the little ghost of Mary, she may not realize that Mary isn't seen by everybody sure i mean she may very well think that that's either her imaginary friend Mm -hmm. that you know is just for her or not even realize that it's a ghost at all or i think you could run into the situation times where some kids just think well ghosts are just part of life it's like having a pet yeah you know if they were never really indoctrinated into and so not real. These don't happen. This is if, if nobody's ever had the conversation and they're, you know, they're still discovering things. That's the, that's the thing that I think a lot of adults overlook is how much kids are discovering and don't realize, you know, and there may be just some kids that don't realize ghosts are not necessarily part of everyday life. Right. You know, a normal everyday life. anyway. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I don't know. Very, uh, very interesting story. Um, yeah, gosh, I'd love to hear more more from that man. And so, very well told. Yeah, very, very well. So thank you for calling in, and thank you for sharing your real ghost story here with us as we are on uh, Halloween Eve. Yes, we uh, are. Because yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, Christmas Eve, it's Halloween Eve tonight. Yep. Tomorrow we got a real special show planned for you. Um, some really, really good ghost stories that we've lined up for you. Uh, of course, your calls will be in there. And then on hour two, yes, I said hour two, we're doing a two-hour program for you tomorrow. It'll be released in two separate downloads. Uh, so make sure you, you, you get both of them because they will both be put out there at about the same time tomorrow. Um, second hour, we're going to be talking with uh, one of the best storytellers that we've had on the show uh, all year, uh, Oscar. And uh, Oscar is the man uh, who experienced the zombie ghost clown experience. And it's a horrifying tale. And it's not made up. I mean, it sounds like it could be a, a horror Goosebumps book or something. Sure. You know, but it's not. This is something that really happened to him as a child. He's going to recount that tale and give us even more information on it than we've originally heard when he wrote in uh, several months ago. So that and many other stories. Uh, that's another gentleman who really does live a fairly haunted life. Yeah. As and, we were talking last night with Ian. And he shares some stories in the interview with us that we have not discussed or read. Yeah. So it's not just recounting ones that we've gone over, that we've yeah. already shared. It's so. going to be a real treat. So mm-hmm. uh, lots of fun tomorrow night for Halloween. Once the, uh, once the trick-or-treating and the doorbells have stopped ringing, you know, light a candle, sit back, relax, turn the lights off, Turn on some real ghost stories online and freak the hell out of yourself, your children, your family, and your pets. I saw something on Facebook that it looks like too much fun and you would be hammered in no time. But it's take a shot every time one of the frozen princesses comes to your door. (laughs) That would be, oh my God. You'd have like somebody, an officer knocking on your door in a few times very soon. Because we're like, sir, are you drunk and interacting with children? 
yeah, there's been 40 Elsas. You start <laughs> chucking Snickers out the window. It's like, here you go. And you're like, yeah, actually, you're holding my drink while you <laughs> put candy in the other kids' bags. <laughs> that would be classic. That would be great. And if you combine that with a real ghost stories online drinking game that someone invented, which you can find the rules to on our message board, <laughs> you'll be you'll be pretty much blackout, passed out with before the kids are even. Your doorbell will just keep ringing. Your house will be egged by the time the evening is over. Uh, here's a letter that was written to us, Tony. Uh, this is Tony from Savannah, Georgia. With another experience from when I worked downtown in Savannah as a contractor for various restaurants. This experience comes from the time I worked at the Pirate's House. Pirate's House is the old, is uh, in the oldest area of Savannah where uh, General uh, Oglethorpe and other colonists arrived from England in 1733. The Pirate's House was erected in 1734 and is the oldest standing house in the state of Georgia. General Oglethorpe built the Pirate's House as a botanical garden in 1734 when the city of Savannah decided that the need for a garden was no longer relevant. Savannah was becoming a major port city. The spice and medicinal herb cottage was turned into the Pirate's House Tavern and Inn in 1754. The tavern served as an inn tavern for seamen and pirates, but sailors often went missing from the inn. In the area, there are many underground tunnels, one of which leads directly to the pirate's house rum basement. The tunnels were built in the early 1800s and were used to hide the bodies of those that died from the yellow fever epidemic or used to hide runaway slaves. Seamen would be the lead out for sailboats after getting drunk, never to be seen again. I was cleaning early one Sunday morning. Employees were still in the restaurant, but they started to file out rather quickly. I continued to clean, going from one room to the next, and I started talking to one of the employees that I saw in the kitchen earlier when I had first arrived. He said he was waiting for his wife to come and pick him up. Moments later, I heard a horn honk from outside, and I promptly unlocked the door and let him out. As I gathered my materials and loaded them into my van, the next night... I arrived a little later. As I unloaded my cleaning materials into the restaurant, I heard a loud crash, as if glass were being broken. I ran to the bathroom where the noise came from. Upon entering the bathroom, I saw feet from under the stall. My heart sank as I thought it was someone who had broken in. It was the guy from the previous night who I'd spoken with. I thought it was a little weird that he was the only one left in the restaurant with no keys. He said his wife was now waiting outside and that he just called the manager to see if someone could come back to the restaurant and let him out. been locked in by the other employees while on the toilet. I still thought it was strange because the hostess on duty is supposed to check all the restrooms for customers before leaving. After letting him out, I checked every inch of the restaurant. Nothing seemed to be missing. All the doors and windows were still locked. I came in early the next morning to speak with the manager and he told me that no one called him the night before. I alerted him of the conversation I had with the gentleman two nights in a row. After giving the manager a description of the employee, he said no one worked there by that description. So we proceeded to head to the office where the security tapes from the previous night were stored. When we looked at the tapes to identify the individual, the tapes just showed me talking to the table as if no one was sitting there. I wanted to leave and never come back to the restaurant. But I was bound by a contract for another six months before I could either renew or terminate. I continued to clean there, but I always brought two employees with me when cleaning the restaurant. There were several other occurrences that happened in the restaurant to the staff and to my employees as well. I just finished mopping the bathroom floors and was mopping my way to the door so as not to track over where I just mopped. Then, when I reached the door and turned around to place the rest of my supplies on the sidewalk before putting them into my van and setting the alarm and locked the door, I noticed fresh footprints going across the floor where I just mopped. One of my employees had their earbuds pulled from their ears. An assistant manager even told me that her shirt was pulled when she walked by a bar stool. You know, the kind of, like when someone is uh, pulling you and trying to get you to sit in their lap, just very creepy. Thanks for reading my account, Tony and Jenny. Savannah is as beautiful as it is weird. 
Don't be afraid to visit. By the way, the Pirate's House has some great food, like the maple pecan fried chicken. This is not an endorsement of any sorts. Anyway, I have a story about the Native American girl in my backyard and a collection of mirrors, old mirrors, I just received from the family antique shop. Lucky me! By the way, the mirrors are being stored in my shed. I think maybe the Native American girl and the mirrors are connected. Thanks again for reading my account. Could you imagine the feeling in his stomach when he saw that video camera tape of him talking to the table? I'm wondering if the restaurant, the owner or the manager who saw that, what they were thinking. Yeah. You know, if if this is a common occurrence there, they're probably like, okay, no big deal. If this is a not-so-common occurrence there and say the manager doesn't believe in ghosts, you would think the cleaning person was out of their mind. Yeah, you Wouldn't you? Would. You would. Sure. But I don't think you could live in that town without having some kind no. of inkling of belief in the paranormal. I'm guessing it's one of those things where they, they, they damn well know this thing is haunted, and especially if they there's a contract, they're not letting them out of the contract. I'm guessing they go through cleaning services fairly readily, probably for this very reason. And that's why they have these long-term contracts for when this stuff happens. They can say, well, sorry, you're under contract. There's no, I'm sorry, you got freaked out by our ghost. Now this is going to you know, release you from the contract. Sure. Because it probably happens over and over and over. Do you think, um, because it sounds like a more modern ghost, a ghost of a more modern person you know they're waiting for their wife Mm -hmm. to come get them in presumably a car sure didn't sound like he was dressed in pirate attire or whatever (laughs) and do you think that ghosts learn to adapt when they've been haunting for that long like they change their story to not seem like a ghost that or it's very confused and maybe it is thinking that his wife is waiting for him yeah. I mean, are you, are you saying maybe it was someone from a, a, a much older time, but is, is now trying to fit in with modern yeah. times? Okay. Yeah. Like it was someone who was killed years and years ago. Right. And now really to only seem non-ghostly would be to say, hey, my wife's coming to get me, not my ship's going out. And, right. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know. I'd be quite an intelligent ghost. Well, I would think, you know, we know that they, that the ones that were human are fairly intelligent. Or maybe it's just a modern person. Maybe it is someone from... Maybe it was someone who got in a car accident on the way home one night and died. Yeah. And for whatever reason, they're back there confused and reliving that evening over and over. It's like Groundhog's Day. Could be. You know, and they really legitimately don't realize they're a ghost and they think their wife's coming to get them and when they hear a horn honk, they go outside. Yeah. And then bam, 6 a.m., and Sonny and Cher start playing. <laughs> oh, is it? All right, that's enough. <laughs> you should. That's how sing. it works. Okay. That's how it works. 855-853-4802 is our number. Here's another letter. Hi, guys. Just discovered you online, uh, your radio show, about two weeks ago, and I can't uh, tell you for a f- I, I can tell you for a fact I am obsessed. I'm from Melbourne, Australia. I have a few ghost stories I'd like to share, but for now, I'll uh, share one that resonates with me even still today. My ghost experience happened to me when I was in high school. I'm in my se- I was in my senior year and I went to art camp, as dorky as it may sound. I had such a fun time, despite my paranormal experience. Let me describe the campsite for you, because this is quite important. From my memory, there are two buildings. The first is where the dorms are and the main entrance area reside. When you walk into this building, you automatically enter into a long hallway. One, or on either side of the hallway, are the dorm rooms with three bunk beds in each room and a small bathroom. Then, right at the end of the hallway, there's an entertainment room or a lounge room. The second building is where I would have our meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The second building was parallel to the first, which meant you'd need to walk through the hallway to get into the dining area. The paranormal experience happened during the day at lunchtime. All the students were in the second building, the dining area. We were about to be served lunch and I needed to go to the bathroom. So I got up, told my other classmates that I'd be back, and I walked out of the second building and into the first and walked through the long hallway into my dorm room. I went into the bathroom and started my business. 
Immediately when I sat down, the dorm room opened with a creak and I heard footsteps. But five steps into the room with a slight drag to it. Since the bathroom was right near the entrance, I'd be able to see from under the bathroom door if someone walked past. I can't remember if I saw a shadow pass by the door, but I distinctively remember those footsteps. I called out, is anyone there? Joanne? Maria, is that you? I heard no reply. As I finished up, I hesitated to open the door. But I did and looked around the room. I figured the person would have still been there since I heard no footsteps walk out of the dorm or heard the door closed. The entrance to the dorm was open, however. I hesitated and left the room, ran down the hallway and back into the second building. I looked at everyone and they had already started lunch. I asked everyone on the table if they went into the room when I was in the bathroom and they all said no. I know my friends and they're not the type to play pranks. Besides, I would have heard them leave or walk further into the dorm room. But it was only five footsteps. I kind of dismissed it. But I played back the incident over in my mind again and again. Later I found out after camp that another student experienced something even creepier. She was in another dorm room, about two doors down, she said. While everyone was in the entertainment room, she had to go back to grab something. She said she saw a dark figure sitting on her bed. This is also during the day. All of the rooms had Bibles in them. I don't know if that's a common thing or it was there to ward off whatever it was. Thank you for reading my story. Keep it the good work, guys. Love you. I've never been away to summer camp, but that would scare me beyond belief. I would never go back. I'd be afraid of bathrooms then. You would? I think I would. If I was in a bathroom stall and all of a sudden, you know, you hear footsteps and there's nothing there, but you're hearing something walking around. Because it's like the shower, you know? It's a very compromising position and you're kind of stuck. Sure. So I think it would be one of those things where it would like scar you, you know, for, from like, you'd have that feeling. You'd be very afraid for at least a you know, good period of time after that of going into bathrooms. Sure. <clears throat> at least I would. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. So, 855-853-4802. That's our phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, you can always write into the show. If you want to comment on something you heard on the show, do it on our message board up on the website there at realghoststoriesonline.com. Alex writes in, hey guys, my name's Alex. I'm a fairly new listener to the show, but I have to say I really enjoy the quality and frequency of the content you're able to produce on a near daily basis. Very impressive. A few episodes ago, you asked for any Ouija board experience that had a positive outcome. I thought it was still a bit creepy. I definitely think my experience falls under this category. About eight or so years ago, my friend and I started using a Ouija board as a new form of entertainment during the summer. We had some strange experiences with it, including one which I'm not very proud of. Well, we brought the board to, the, to a Revolutionary War battlefield, commonly known as the... Uh, or, or Scanzi Battlefield? Are you, uh, you, you are a history person here. I'm not familiar with that. Orinsky Battlefield? I apologize for not being able to enunciate this. I'm going to say Oris Canny. Oris Canay? Oris Canny? I don't know. Okay. O R I S K A N Y. Orscanny. Okay. Orscanny Battlefield. And I'm sorry if I'm saying that incorrectly. <laughs> Continuing on, needless to say, we weren't the smartest duo when we were younger. However, that's a different story for a different time. The positive experience we had with the board actually occurred at my home. I would, or I should say in my driveway, as I refused to use a board inside my house. Well, at least I had a little bit of sense with the Ouija board, and it wasn't just, you know, completely reckless. Yeah. Fairly reckless. Let's just haunt the property. Yeah, let's just go up to the driveway and the dog. I had a few friends over and we were fooling around with my family's video camera. We were all over our parents' property. It's a decent sized plot of land in the suburban neighborhood. However, it's important to note that we were all over the place, inside the house, out in the front yard, the backyard, and even the woods directly behind the house. So we're wrapping up and my friends were getting ready to leave. One of them couldn't find their car keys. It's practically dark now, which means we gathered all the flashlights we could find and started to retrace our steps, looking in the house, the front yard, the backyard, through the woods. We could not find them anywhere, and we were all starting to get frustrated. During this whole ordeal, one of my friends kept badgering me, asking me to use the Ouija board with him to find the keys. I'd reply about it, 
about how it wouldn't work and it would be a waste of time. Eventually, I caved in and agreed to pull out the Ouija board. I have to admit, I was a little embarrassed that we were resorting to this because aside from my friend who was persisting me to use the board, I really never told anyone else how often we used it. So we sent the board up on the back of my Plymouth Acclaim in the short driveway. I should mention my parents' house had two driveways at the time, a short one that was originally created with the house and a newer, much longer one to the right of the home. After asking the board where we could find the keys, we were actually receiving a somewhat comprehensive response. Usually, a majority of the time, we get gibberish, which we would have to decode. Basically, we determined that we had to take five steps from a white truck. The board didn't say what direction to take those five steps, and unfortunately for us, we had not one but two white trucks in a long driveway, my dad's and my friend's, whose keys were missing. After we obtained the information, we started at my friend's truck and took five steps to the right of it, looked down, nothing. I'd like to clarify at this point that my friend who was missing the keys was not the same one that was using the Ouija board with me. However, he was the one that was taking the steps as directed by my other friend and me. So after our first failed attempt, we all decided to try taking five steps to the left of his truck, and he began the paces. As the fifth step, he stopped, turned his flashlight to the ground, and in between his feet laid the car keys. After screaming and yelling from the crazy experience we just witnessed and the numerous I told you so's from my friend, we called it a night and disbanded. I also wanted to mention that when my friend and I first started using the board, we both took it very seriously, meaning that we sincerely promised each other that we would never move the board on our own, as it would defeat the purpose of the experience. We were, and still are, very interested in the paranormal, and I can say with full confidence that my friend was just as genuinely surprised as I was when it happened. So that's it. It was creepy, it was weird, but the Ouija board definitely helped us out. Thanks for taking the time to read my story, and keep up the great work, Alex. Okay, but with Ouija boards, we mm-hmm. don't know if something later on will happen. Well, it's it's one of those things where it can be like, it's a gateway to ghosts. Um, you know, maybe one of those things that lures you in, and that's what usually is the case when you hear the beginning of a Ouija board story where things go bad. It was something first happened, it was fairly harmless, and they talked to a child. Uh, or in this case, it helped them out in some way and said something fairly harmless, accurate, and useful. And then you kept using it, and more and more stuff happened, and it started to get not so good. Yeah. So I think it could be one of those things where if it was some sort of negative power doing it, it's not initially just going to be negative. You know, a lot of times it needs to, it wants to lure you in so it can do more to you. Well, hopefully he doesn't have any follow-up stories for us. It could be really good, though. I mean, think about that. It could be horror. I mean, they, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Hopefully, there's nothing bad that happened to you. But if there is, we'd love to hear it. Okay. <laughs> 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call us in uh, here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Let's go to another caller from 855-853-4802. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. Um, this is David calling from Oregon. I've called... A week or so ago regarding the dime and the blizzard you might remember that just want to say i've been listening to a few of your stories um now since i just recently discovered your program and i'm really impressed um for this impressed with the production as well as the banter uh between you all i really like your dynamic a lot um jenny asked the pro the uh, uh question today on today's program uh, is it better to see uh, a shadow person um, straight on, flat out, straight on, or out of the corner of your eye. Um, I think my opinion on that is more so seeing it flat out, straight on, as when I was eight years old with myself, my brother, who was 10, and my sister, who was about 13. We all saw what I think you would call a shadow person, flat out, straight on. Our dog saw it as well. It was making, uh, it was just basically standing at the corner of our house, floating above the ground with no feet, a black shadow. Basically, it looked like um, you were staring into a black hole, uh, the shape of a, a human uh, wearing what I would call, um, you know, lack of a better term, like a New England style uh, rain hat with rain coat or slicker. 
um, and it was completely flat black, meaning there was no light reflection whatsoever off of it. It was floating there. Our dog was going hysterical to get to it. Our dog was uh, chained up to the front of our porch, and so the dog could not get to it, and it stood there probably for 30 seconds, letting us just kind of look at it, and then it literally floated down our driveway, our gravel driveway, making no sound whatsoever, and it made it to the to the roadway where it made a right-hand turn. When it was floating, there was no body motion at all. It was like looking at just a stick figure, um, but with probably a six foot high with a, a width of about four feet, uh, the shape of a human uh, floating down the driveway. I have asked myself numerous times since then, um, you know, what was the end this on me psychologically? Um, I think it, when I was young and seeing this at a relatively young age, it created for me this open-mindedness toward the possibilities of the universe. So I've always retained an open mind toward what I've heard because I actually saw something that flew in the face of what society said could not exist. Society says these things cannot exist, as we all know. Um, however, knowing at such a young age that they do exist, and with absolute certainty that they exist, it made me, an op I think, more open-minded toward person, toward the possibilities, as I said, as well as uh, a little bit more skeptical uh, toward what society says cannot exist. So I kind of had a, a dual um, uh, sort of edged uh, impact on me and on my paradigm as a small child growing up. Uh, so, and my mother actually witnessed the same thing herself um, one morning. So we all saw it, four of us in our family plus our dog. And not to mention uh, in the house that we were living in at the time, extremely energetic. Um, I'm beginning to make this connection toward loud crashing noises um, as we heard in this house before uh, literally all hell broke loose one night. It was a loud crashing sound um, that was unexplainable and then um, some sort of paranormal activity that followed the loud crashing noise. I would like for other people to kind of maybe key in on that to see if they also have had a similar experience. A loud crashing sound being a precursor to some sort of a paranormal activity. Uh, just stay, uh, just to kind of keep that in mind. Um, also, too, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to a September 22nd episode of a funeral, a person that worked in a funeral home, and he spoke about um, a white dog moving uh, through a house that uh, the people living in the house said that, uh, no, you know, there was no white dog there. Um, I also have had an experience in my past with a large white dog that literally led me through a very dangerous area when I was living in Colorado through a boulder field, a rock field that was full of, um, um, it was very well known to be a denning area for mountain lions. And I'd seen two mountain lions, uh, one chasing the other one on a ridge about 1,000 feet higher. And I was in this rock field for a reason that I don't really want to go into now, but looking for an individual. And as I made it back through the, the rock field, as I was about to enter the rock field coming back through it, it's basically a, a maze of boulders at about 15 feet above my head and, and just crevices and boulders. And it was basically a maze trying to follow a very obscure trail, getting lost. And a white dog, a, a, maybe a Siberian husky of some sort, it had to be 140 pounds, appeared literally out of nowhere from between the crevices um, with the bluest eyes. It, was it looked like an albino dog. Um, when I first saw it, it came up to me. I was startled, but it immediately let me know that it was submissive in the sense that it put its head down and wagging its tail that it was a friendly dog. So my guard went down, and literally this dog, I followed it for 25 minutes, leading me out of this maze that was, you know, a, a mountain lion denning area, and it led me to safety. And when I went to, to at the edge of the rock field, literally the white dog moved between two, two, a crevice between two large boulders and literally disappeared. It, it disappeared from my view and I was unable to find it after I got through the rock field. And uh, it was a pretty uh, astounding uh, situation with the, with the white dog. I don't know what the white dog was, but it was a beautiful dog that literally led me through a maze of boulders. But anyway, those are just two comments I wanted to make regarding uh, stories, one from today and one from September 22nd. Once again, thoroughly enjoying your stories and your program, and I hope it continues well into the future. Thanks, you guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling in and sharing your story with us. 
Do you think that was a spirit dog? I would think so. I think it'd be, it's almost like the guardian angel type thing, mm-hmm. you know, where it's, it's out there looking, you know, to simply help and lead. And that's what it sounded like in that, that story we had earlier where there was a dog in the house. It sounds like this is another one of those where it's, it's there for a purpose. Right. You know, so whether, you know, you can subscribe to that in different, you know, assumptions. Is it uh, some sort of force using a living dog, a real dog, and guiding them, almost possessing them, if you will, to to lead this person through something? Um, Or is it literally a ghost dog? I don't know. Either way, I think it's a positive force of some sort. Yeah. That's being utilized here. And I think maybe it's besides the point whether it's a real animal that's being used or whether it's a ghost animal that's showing up. Yeah. So, I don't know. I want to know why he's wandering around the middle of a lion's <laughs> den or whatever. What's going on there, Heisenberg? Huh? <laughs> I'm kidding. I just said I'm not really saying that. I'm just throwing it out there because I thought it was. It made me think of that. Yeah. Of like being in a very remote, odd area. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two. That's our number. Ashley writes in. Hi there. My name's Ashley. I have a story to tell you of my experiences from Auckland, New Zealand. Sorry, it might seem a little bitsy, but I promise it all comes to a point. A year ago, my partner and I moved houses. It's a little cottage house in Titirangi. There you go. I used an enunciation point that somebody gave for me and didn't just try to pronounce it by myself. Yeah. Titirangi. Otherwise, I don't know what I would have said. <laughs> Titirangi, which is actually um, one of the lost Jackson 5 members, if you were unaware of that. He's no. not. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's, you never know. You never know. Okay. <laughs> I'm thinking of Tito or something. I know. Anyway, this little house was surrounded on most sides by native b- uh, brush. A little creek runs down the back behind the bush and was built around the 1970s. The house was made with quite a few repurposed old doors and windows. Actually, all the doors in the house are about 100 years old, made from an old kauri. Uh Soon, or as soon as we moved in, strange things began to happen clearing up the next day after we moved in. I picked up a box full of empty beer bottles from the kitchen to put them in the garage. When I came back, a paper towel from the other side of the kitchen was placed perfectly square over the top of the trail of drips that I didn't notice coming out of the bottom of the box. Only I and my boyfriend were home, and he was upstairs in the mezzanine asleep in bed. The next day, I decided to have a shower. Halfway through, I noticed the light in the room changed to a weird dim shade. I thought maybe my eyes were tired and I was just imagining things. Suddenly, I heard a loud bang and the shattering of glass and everything went dark. The light bulb in the bathroom had suddenly exploded. Calling out for my partner to get me some shoes so I could get out of the shower, we put it down to dodgy old wiring. But we both had a feeling we weren't the only ones who lived in our tiny house. Over the next few months, we would hear the sounds of someone walking around downstairs most most nights. Often the person would follow my uh, ash, or both Ashleys, uh, closely up the stairs to our mezzanine bedroom, as though trying to rush him up the stairs. Notably, a couple of times we would hear footsteps walking up the stairs and the horrible feeling of someone rushing or charging at us in bed. You'd expect an impact, but you'd never get one. To keep the warmth in our house, we would close off the door to the study and bathroom as these were the coldest rooms in the house. When we went to bed, maybe paranormal, but to be honest, it was more just like an old, uninsulated house, which are too common in New Zealand. We would then wake up to someone turning and jiggling the old-fashioned doorknob. Our resident ghost didn't like being shut into the study, so we stopped closing the door and the noises would stop. Then the ghost would start playing around with the lights, bulbs, and would often blow. But more interestingly, they would dim on and off and flicker, coming back on if I asked it to, but would flicker if Ash asked. You could ask questions, and it would answer as prompted by flickering the lights. Only at certain times of the day, and only if both of us were in the house. Let me get this straight. The ghost wasn't malevolent or nasty, just mischievous and cheeky letting us know that it was there. 
We never felt unhappy or unsafe in the house. We just accepted we had a flatmate that happened to come with the house. One night, I woke up in the middle of the night to drowsily seeing bright, straight lights at the end of the bed, all in a wonky line vertically. Assuming I was still dreaming, I made myself go back to sleep. Then I woke up again to see a Polynesian boy sitting on the end of the bed. He looked a little younger than us, about 20 or so, with a friendly but cheeky grin on his face, as if to say, Ta-da, now you see me! I distinctly remember his parted hair and funny little Gomez-esque mustache, wearing a very late 80s, early 90s-looking sports t-shirt and a white jumper layered underneath. He was in color, but everything was tinged to a glowing blue and highlighted white. Of course, I freaked out and waked up ash, but... When I opened my eyes again, he was gone. Now we knew who we were dealing with and why he was such a brat sometimes. Like when he would be playing a record on the record player and he would mess around with the volume, turning it up and down. The activity became less and less after I saw him that night. The last significant thing to happen was the front door opening and closing by itself. And when Ash said, Could you knock when you come in into someone's house? He heard a loud and definite knocking on the opposite side of the room. A year later, we still live in the same house, but we don't have any activity anymore, whoever it was. Whether he was attracted to the house or attached to the house, the area, or the old doors, he seems to be gone or he's gotten so used to living with us, he doesn't feel the need to be noticed anymore. We no longer hear footsteps, no more flickering lights, no more burst light bulbs, and no more jiggling doorknobs. I hope he's happy and okay wherever he is now. Thanks for reading my story, and I hope to keep up with the podcast. I absolutely adore it. I think that's so funny that she said he showed up and it's like, ta-da. You know, maybe he figured out how to manifest to where they could see him. And then he was like, okay, I'm done. Or maybe he was saying goodbye, too, if it was it slowly stopped. Maybe he just, he did want to be seen one last time or, you know, or, or be seen. It's like his final hurrah. I could see that. You know, and that was like, hey... Okay, this is what I look like, so now you all know. Bye-bye. Yep. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Very interesting story, though. 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, make sure you press subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to us on so you don't miss any future episodes. Like I said earlier, this is a show that we do year-round. It's not just for Halloween, although welcome if you're just joining us here. Uh, on uh, or in Halloween season uh, looking for a good ghost story. We give them to you year-round here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to another caller. Hi. Hello. Hey, Tony. Um, Hey, everybody. I just uh, was calling to tell you my story. My name is Michael. I'm calling from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. I listen to you guys all the time. Uh, Your podcasts are great, informative, and I really enjoy them. Calling in with... uh, uh, my very first experience with the paranormal. Um, kind of give a little background on, on me real quick. You know, I, uh, I'm part of a paranormal group now, and it's because of this story that I'm about to tell you that uh, thrust me into uh, really uh, seeking out the paranormal. This uh, story takes place in my grandparents' house in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, I was very young at the time, probably about six or seven years old, uh, and we were up there visiting um, for whatever sorts, like we would normally do. So we would take a yearly trip up there to visit my grandparents uh, and everything. And at the time, uh, the room that my sister and I were sleeping in uh, just so happened to be a room where my grandmother kept a lot of uh, freaky dolls and stuff like that. She had an infatuation with all kinds of dolls. So that made it uh, uh, scary and and, and freaky uh, nonetheless. So back to the story. Uh, Went to bed uh, one night and for some reason uh, I decided, you know, know, something was waking, waking me up. So I decided to get up and get out of bed because for some reason something was drawing me out of the room. And when you walk out of the room, this house was almost uh, almost like a shotgun house, but it had uh, one hallway 
that uh, went into the living room. And off the hallway, at the very end, was the bathroom, and then there were bedrooms and the kitchen off of this one hallway. So when I walked out of the of the bedroom, uh, I looked to my right, which is where the bathroom would be, and the door was closed. And as, as long as I could ever remember, my grandparents always had a full-size body mirror on, on this door. So I remember looking at the mirror and I remember seeing myself and uh, I remember seeing myself pretty good because my grandmother always kept a light on in the kitchen over over the sink. So it was very uh, easy uh, for me to see myself and it kind of illuminated the hallway you know, a little bit. So I saw myself and I turned around and I looked down the hallway, and standing in the doorway of the kitchen and, and halfway in the hall was this man standing there. And I could faintly see through him. Uh, he was glowing like a whitish blue color, and he was just standing there, and he was looking at me. Uh, I can remember he was wearing... Uh, uh, like a t-shirt and some jeans, uh, kind of like, you know, you would wear in the, you know, the, 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 the 50s and the, in the early 60s, you know, kind of like a rockabilly look. And, uh, I was so, uh, overcome with fear and dread. It was almost like it, it was paralysis. I, I couldn't move. I, I couldn't scream. I, I couldn't breathe. I just remember seeing this man standing there and suddenly I was able to, to, to move and I bolted across the, ho- the hallway to the bedroom where my, my parents were staying and I, and I couldn't get the door open and I'm trying to get it open and I'm beating on the door, beating on the door. And my father comes over to the door to answer and, I, and he probably didn't get it open six inches before I just, you know, bolted my way through there, jumped in their bed, you know, screaming and hollering and my, both my mom and my, my father were disoriented from being woken up and didn't think anything of it. They calmed me down and, and went to bed. And, uh, and, and that was that. It wasn't until about three years ago that I told this story to my father. And when I told him this story to my, told him this story, he had this look on his face of, astonishment and amazement. Now my father, his brother that he was uh, uh, next to, I guess you'd say, my dad is is one of five uh, boys in his family. My brother, or I should say my father is the uh, second youngest. So the his brother that was right above his name was Michael also. And he is who I am named after. Uh, my name was Michael, and I was named after my dad's brother. Uh, when uh, my dad was younger, about uh, 15, 16 years old, uh, him and his brother Michael were in a severe car accident, and it's a car accident that eventually claimed the life of my my dad's brother. Michael claimed his life. He, he passed away. So when I told my father this story, he looked at me and said, when after Michael had died, there were strange things that always happened around their house um, that were unexplainable. And he told me uh, a story one time when he was uh, in high school and my, my father had, had, had come home after school and he, he walks, in the, walks in the door uh, into the living room and he heard something coming from the back bedroom. This just so happened to be the same back bedroom that I would, you know, some 20 plus years later be sleeping in as a young kid. So he went to go investigate to see what the noise was. When you enter the room, immediately to the right-hand side is where the closets were in this room. They had two closets in this room. Each closet had double sliding mirrored doors on them, which again is still creepy in itself. So my father walked into the room and the farthest closet door away from him was open, he said about two feet. 
And when he walked into the room and he looked, and he looked around and, and couldn't see anything, and then he watched the closet door close itself. And that's all it took for him to bolt out of the house and, and, and never come back. So um, that was one of the stories that he told me about the things that happened, you know, when he was younger after, after his brother had passed away. Well, my grandfather passed away in uh, 1999 uh, when they were living in that house. And uh, they were going to move my grandmother out. So they were going through uh, everything in the house. And as they were going through uh, things in my grandmother's closet, my father said he came across a, a black trash bag that was in the very bottom of the closet, tucked away in the back corner. And he pulled it out and was wondering what it was. And when he pulled out the contents of this trash bag, it was the bloodied clothes that my uncle was wearing the day that he was in that car accident. And it just makes me wonder if it wasn't because of those clothes and the property that belonged to my uncle, why he was there at the house. Uh, I didn't realize that who it was, uh, that it was my uncle until some years later when uh, I was in my early 20s and I was speaking to my grandmother about, you know, the things and she pulled out this photo album that was nothing but pictures of my uncle uh, Michael and there in the photo album there was a Polaroid picture that was taken of him the day that he was in the car accident just hours before they were in the car accident I saw his picture and I looked and I said that is the man that I saw standing in your home and uh, I didn't realize that, that it was my uncle maybe he was there just to tell me that he knew I was named after him and that he was there, uh, maybe to tell me he was proud of me or that, uh, uh, you know, he was there to, to keep an eye over me. But I've always felt like there's always been somebody watching out over me. And, you know, maybe that it, it is, is my uncle, uh, Michael, who I'm named after, which would be awesome. Sorry that took so long. I hope this, uh, this finds you, you know, in, in good spirits and that, uh, it's a great story. So I hope you guys, uh, Tony, Jenny, y'all keep up the great work. Uh, Y'all do such an awesome job. Love you guys, and uh, look forward to uh, hearing more uh, real ghost stories from uh, everybody else out there. Take care. Bye-bye. So, do you think it was the clothes from the accident? It's it's interesting. I mean, it could, could you know, if you're going to place energy onto an object, I suppose that would be obviously the closest thing to you if you're in the accident. Yeah. How long? I mean, those those clothes had been there for a while, right? Yeah, because it sounds like it was, you know, when the caller's father was a kid, mm-hmm. and he said that the guy looked like when he saw him as a ghost, looked like it was late fifties, early sixties. And you're, yeah. As far as how he was dressed, I want. I mean, if that assumption is is true, if if the clothes that you're on in the course of an accident of some sort, uh. If your energy is somehow transferred onto those in some cases, that could be the explanation for the source of a lot of hauntings in a lot of odd places. Yeah. Because I, I think in a lot of cases, the, the clothes are simply removed, cut off the person in an accident situation um, and probably disposed of, you know, or, you know, I could see in some cases, you know, placed to the side going into odd hands of some sort, especially if the clothes are not dirtied or bloodied or anything like that, just like jeans or something. Yeah. You know, and somehow they get out there and they don't go to the family. You know, who knows where they could land through misplacement, you know? Right. Um, I could really, yeah, I could see that being the source of it. It doesn't seem to make a, I mean, it seems to make a whole lot of sense is what I should say, especially if things calm down then shortly thereafter them discovering the clothing. Yeah. It's a long time to sit around and wait, though, to go, oh, you found my clothes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Can you, uh, great, I'm going to go to the other side now, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it makes sense and it doesn't make sense at the same time, but still a very good ghost story. 
So thank you for that call. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe. Just press that button. We do the show five days a week, absolutely free. Uh, So uh, don't miss all those episodes. And if you really like it and you want to support the show and help keep the show alive, keep us from the undead, please consider becoming an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We don't just say, hey, support the show and keep getting the free stuff. You'll inevitably get that. We are well aware of that. But we give you a little something extra as an EPP, an extra episode for the weekend uh, that's just as good, if not better, than our free shows every single day. Uh, We send those out to you every single week. You get access to all of our previous EPP episodes as well. Five bucks a month, or you can do the, uh, the yearly subscription option. 60 bucks and you don't have to worry about it every single month you just do it once and done and then you're uh, you're good to go for the year so uh, please consider supporting the show if you enjoy it we greatly appreciate you if you are in EPP already and thank you in advance if you're about to do just that tomorrow it's the Halloween episode real ghost stories from real people 2014 don't miss it we'll talk to you then for Jenny Bruschi I'm Tony Bruschi thanks for listening to real ghost stories online Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.